There are multiple ways to make money through social media, not with paid ads. Everyone should use social media, but not in the ways that you think, trying to post content every day or be an influencer. A lot of us are sold this dream of like post every day and you can get brand deals and influencerships and sponsorships and flights out of the country and all of that. But it's a lot of work and not everyone has the time to be posting every day like that. A lot of people view how successful you are in business, the number of followers and how pretty your Instagram posts are. But it's a, a lot of behind the scenes work that people don't see. I am, I'm also guilty of doing that. I have, uh, I like to call it my Instagram graveyard. I have so many Instagram accounts that from other businesses that I had tried to launch and I did a lot of posting and praying and nothing. I made some money, I made a couple thousand dollars here and there, but nothing at the level of what this business has done. Like, I think it's, we're at half a million in sales right now. Hey, welcome back to Visionary Voices. This is Ida, and today we are joined by Ro, Roma. She is a sales coach and a lead gen expert for women of color finance experts. So today, Roma, we're pleased to have you on the podcast Thank you for being here. We're going to dive into your story. We're going to dive into what you do, the whole sauce. So welcome, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad that um, we can chat and really dig into, you know, more stories. Yeah. So before we get into any anything, I just want to give you a moment to shine. Like, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is Rose Shaw. And like you said, uh, I am a sales systems coach. So we focus on sales and lead generation for women of color in the financial industry. And yeah, we're all about changing the face of the financial industry. I used to work in New York City and, you know, in 2024, the world is changing so fast and it needs to look more like the global majority, more women um, in, in that industry. So yeah, that's what I do. I want to dig into your experience while you were working in corporate, because right now you work for yourself. Yes. Uh, but when you were working in corporate, something definitely caused you to want to get out of that space and help specifically the women of color finance experts. What was it? You know, there's two, I think, milestones that happened is one, I had been working at my company for, I think, about a year. And um, I, my background is my whole family is in the banking industry. They've been, um, I have some family members that have been CPAs as well. And I grew up with a lot of financial literacy. I feel really blessed. So when I was in an office that pretty much I was the only woman in, in um, my office, I was working in a heavily male-dominated field, like tech consulting for financial experts as well. And I remember feeling cornered, right? At one point, I was talking about investing and debt and all of the nuanced advice my uh, family members have given me for like years and years of their experience. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to all these older men in my office and they're like, oh, she doesn't know anything. Hmm. Like, she, like, where did you get your sources? Who did you watch on like CNN to tell us what you're telling me? And I was like, I, I didn't want to say, oh, it was my aunt who's been working in the banking industry for like 20 years, right? Like that doesn't yeah. make sense to them. They wanted the people on TV, the people that wrote books. And I was so mad that day because <laughs> I couldn't fight back. I was like, it was a group of like five, six guys who were saying that my financial education wasn't up to par because it didn't come from, you know, the people that were educating them on Wall Street. And, mm -hmm. uh, I know that they were wrong. And I was just so, so furious. I was really angry. And I was like, where are all of my people? Where are all the women of color that look like me and my friends? 
And I was like, where, where are they? They're not, I don't see them writing the books. I don't see them on the TV shows. I don't see them having the level of influence that I see a lot of men in the industry have. So that was the first seed that was like, mm-hmm. okay, I need to do something about this because I'm going crazy. Um, and there's many interactions that have happened like that in my life. So I think that was kind of the breaking point. And the second part was I had been working since I was like 15, 16. And by the time I graduated university, um, I was putting my all in. I think you're bright eyed when you start your first corporate job and make yeah. that salary. And I'm like, I'm going to try my hardest and I'm going to do my best. And, you know, everyone has that yeah. one year where they think they're going to be amazing at work. Um, and I did. I tried my best. I did everything. And I was passed over for a promotion. And the rage inside me, I, that day something snapped. I was like, it's over. It's over. <laughs> they're not going to see me in another year. Uh, so I think those two things combined really led me to have the business I have right now, because I was like, I, it was from a lot of rage. In fact, like Mm -hmm. something needed to change in my life and also, you know, how, uh, financial education was being presented to the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I want you to give me an example. What, what is it that mainstream or the male dominated, side of the financial industry says that is very different from what the female side says. I think, and I would love to get your perspective here too, but uh, I grew up with like the whole, like, don't drink coffee or, you know, save like 90% of your paycheck. And I think as women of color, you have multiple responsibilities. Maybe you're taking care of your parents, right? Because, you know, um, in, in a lot of cultures, like you have family responsibility and then you're also taking care of children or, you know, other younger family members. So you're pulled in both directions. So advice like that, where it's like save 90% of your money, how are you going to do that? You know, when you have cultural responsibility, I think that's what a lot of men who give this non-nuanced advice don't understand. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I'd love to get your perspective on it too, especially as like, you know, a woman of color, like, you know, has the financial advice that you've seen on TV necessarily applied to your life, right? Or have you had to tweak it a little bit to fit in for your lifestyle? I, I've always had to tweak everything to fit my lifestyle. So one person that I've highly lis- listened to for a very long time is Dave Ramsey, right? And I'm sure anybody who's in the yeah. finance space is definitely going to talk about Dave Ramsey. And when I was in debt, I definitely followed his methods, Baby step one, two, three. I followed it, not to the letter, but I followed a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And the, the the advice there was don't, like, that is, that is dumb, cash is king. Don't use a credit card. But that is like, I use credit cards, not because yeah. I need it, but because it's convenient for me for in other ways. So I think it's more like that general advice, which is going to be like, don't use this particular thing because X, Y, Z, it doesn't necessarily apply in the same way to everybody because like coming from, I wasn't born in North America. I was born in Africa and I moved here, zero credit score. And when Mm -hmm. you come here, you need to build that credit score in order to do certain other things. Mm -hmm. And so if that education is very black and white, it's like, don't yep. do this, do that. No, there's a gray area. You just need to understand certain things. So in that respect, it's like I've always had to tweak information that comes to suit me and applying things to me. Then I also get to tweak them and help other people around me, which is also the same thing that I guess a lot of people in the space have to do because it gets down to understanding 
who you're talking to and what it is that they need and how can you tweak that information to be relevant to them. I really love what you said because the biggest difference I see with, because I work with all, all financial experts and the biggest difference I see between men giving financial advice and women giving financial advice is men, they give black and white. Like right? They de- demonize certain things, certain aspects of like financial health and women, we work more in the gray, right? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. What let's color in the lines. Not everything is black and white. Let's look for the nuance. And also as a child of immigrants, I completely understand, right? You can't do a lot of things in the United States without having a credit score. So if you're listening to someone like Dave Ramsey, who has maybe lived in this country and his, I I don't know his history, but um, it's okay if he never uses a credit card, but children of immigrants, immigrant people who are immigrating to the United States, it should be in the one of the first things that you learn when you come here is that you need to start building credit ASAP. Right. And, and it comes down to doing it the right way and not being scared of it. Where, where, this is where the money coaches come in, like having the right information, passing it along the right way. But not only that, but like part of what you do is now helping those people to know how to reach out to the clients who are definitely going to need their services and all of that. So let's get into, let's get into that. Like what problem I know, but our audience don't know what problem <laughs> is it that your business solves <laughs> and, and how did you identify that problem and how do you go about helping people with that? Yeah. So uh, let, I, there's two sides of our business, which is one side is sales. So uh, entrepreneurs that haven't hit six figures in their business, they basically need more sales, right? Before they do all the fancy amazing stuff like hiring and, you know, uh, really taking like more salary for themselves, they need to at least get to six figures. And that takes, that's really the foundation of selling, pitching, learning how to get on more sales calls, especially if you sell a service. And then on the other side, when you're past six figures is the fancier stuff like hiring, automation. uh, And they definitely bridge the gap, right? So sometimes if you're like, at the 50K mark, you might need a tinge of automation. So we really teach you what to focus on in different income levels in your business. Mm-hmm. And really the problem that we're solving is that a lot of fem- women financial experts stay in business. I see a lot of people leaving the industry because they are not taught how to make sales in the first place. I think a common misconception is someone will open an Instagram account and say that they're a money coach or say that a CPA, they're a CPA and a line is waiting for them outside the door. (laughs) But oftentimes it's not the case. And then they end up heartbroken and the ego hurts. And then they go back to their nine to five where they quit their side hustle that they wanted to turn into a full-time job. Yeah. So where, where do people mostly come to you at what stage is it that most people would come to you because it's uh you have a solid presence especially on instagram you have a very solid presence there and when somebody lands on your profile they know like you know what you're talking about so so where at what stage of business are most people when they're coming to you and before we get into the success series tell me yeah so usually the client journey there's two calls there's a Um, I think I can still do it myself call, right? So they're curious about working with me. They'll come on the call and they're like, ah, like I've made a couple thousand dollars here and there. I'm pretty sure I could do it myself. Cool. They have their process and I'm like, God, go with you. You figure it out on your own. I'm here. Like you said, I have that Instagram presence. So I try to give as many free resources and value as possible. Um, We do a lot of free trainings for people who aren't ready to commit. And then on the flip side, we have the second call where they're 
they're done. They're on the brink of like um, really going through a really hard time, a binging content that hasn't worked for them. They've tried all the strategies. They burnt out. And unfortunately, I really catch people at the end when they're like, okay, I don't know what else to do. I did all the free advice. I tried to do it myself. I tried to save money and I'm ready to just solve this problem. Even if it means I have to make this investment that feels uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's usually the client journey I see, uh, the curiosity. So they're kind of stepping into the pool of learning about sales and leads for their, for the financial industry. And on the other side, it's like, all right, I can't take anywhere. (laughs) I really need help. I just throw me a lifeline. And that's exactly what we help a lot of entrepreneurs do like get them out of the struggle of day-to-day sales to help them create a process. Okay. I want to go into a particular client story. Can, can you pick, think of for all the people you've helped, think about one person that was like a favorite transformation that you had and tell me without naming names, of course, unless you want yeah, to, what was it that they were struggling with and then how did you help them and what transformation did they experience? Yeah, I, I think uh, one of my, favorite client transformations was um, one of my clients. She was a mom. She's a brand. She had her second child. When I met with her, uh, she had a newborn, right? So if you're a mom, you know how crazy the first like couple months of handling a newborn are. She was also planning to go into surgery in the next couple months, like a major surgery. Mm-hmm. And she was still had a full-time job. So um, I don't think her maternity leave was that long. And she was still building her business. She had two businesses. She was a money coach and she also had a exfoliating skincare line. I think a lot of accountants and money coaches have this um, side business on top of the other business that they have, which is a thing that I'm cu- anyway, we're going to get into it, but yeah. should, should you, should you be doing that? Like, so we things, but anyway, it. we can talk about it. And I, and at that point she came to me kind of that second, the second kind of client journey I talked about where she was just ready. Like nothing had really worked for her. Uh, and she, we've been like in communication for a while. She had worked with me before and she's like, okay, I need, I need help. So we actually created like a lead generation process that required no posting. Cause I told you she is a busy mom. She's going for surgery. Like there's a lot of things happening in her life. And all I had her do was I think send like five messages a day. And she started selling out her exfoliating skincare products and also getting more leads. And she was still able to go on that surgery. I think she had six weeks of recovery time and she did not, have to worry about sales because all the seeds that she planted before she went into the operating room, they were starting to blossom, right? People were starting to DM her, be like, hey, I'm interested a couple weeks after the surgery. So I think I say this is my favorite client transformation because it opened her eyes that she could still live life and not be perfect, right? A lot of people think that they need to have 40 hours a week and not have work and not have kids and not have a husband and not do this and not do that. But she was a testament that you could still have emergencies in life, be a human being and still have a successful business. Okay. Wow. That's beautiful. And this particular person, is is she still doing both the exfoliating line and the money coaching stuff? We, I worked with her about a year ago, but the last time I talked to her, I know that she still has both business. We can get into like, if you, if you should be running two businesses. Uh, but yes, I believe that she's still doing both. Um, and 
like I said, she doesn't post content, right? So if you just look at her Instagram account, you would never know that like how well or how well she's doing, you'd have to actually communicate to her. Right. A lot of people view how successful you are in business to the number of followers and how pretty your Instagram posts are. But it's a, a lot of behind the scenes work that people don't see. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, social media has made has kind of skewed the perspective that people have on a lot of things because there are people with a lot of followers there and it's like nothing actually happening in real life. It's just it's just all the hype. And there are people who are not even active right there and mm-hmm. they have a solid, solid business in the back. So for, for you, what is it that, like social media, how does that play into the whole women of color finance experts? How should they, should they not? Like what's your advice on that? I think everyone should use social media, but not in the ways that you think, not in the fact that you should be trying to post content every day or be an influencer. And when it comes to women of color, especially, I think a lot of us are sold this dream of like post every day and you can get brand deals and influencerships and sponsorships and flights out of the country and all of that. And it can happen. It can happen. But it's a lot of work and not everyone has the time to be posting every day like that. Mm -hmm. There are multiple ways to make money through social media, not with paid ads, but a lot of like creating connection, right? I know like even in the green room, we were talking about how we had talked before even getting on this podcast, we were creating, we were having conversation Yeah. and a lot of people don't know their audience. I can say like out of all my followers, I have probably talked to maybe like 60% of them. Like I've had it. Actual conversation, but if you talk to someone that has 20,000 followers, do they know all of them? Do they know them? Do they know their story? And I think that's the biggest differentiation with like the facade you see on social media and like the actual amount of conversations you've had with real people, with a human on the other side of your social media page. Mm-hmm. So I, I heard you talk about something in one of your podcast episodes. For those listening, Ro is the host of the Finance Client Acquisition Podcast, where she simplifies sales systems for women of color, women of color finance experts, right? So I was listening to one episode that you did with, um, I don't remember her name, one of the very recent episodes that you did. And you talked about a concept where you encourage people to have this, this, this very strategy you're talking about, which is actually messaging your people mm. and like getting into their DMs, sending some messages to them, but it's like, it's like, um, it's called the proactive pursuit. And this is not, not like uh, posting and praying. I think the biggest downfall of a lot of entrepreneurs is they will post, they'll just sit on their hands and be like, they'll just look around being like, when is the next client coming? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Where are they? Like, (laughs) I'm waiting for someone to come to me. No one's coming. And then they're hurt. Right. And I teach a lot of my clients to take back control. Like you don't need anyone to save you. You can go out there and save yourself, Yeah. right? It's an empowering way to just take back control of your business. Then instead of saying, oh, there's nothing else I can do. This is a bad month. Well, is it? Did you talk to anyone that's yeah. your client? So that's why I call it proactive pursuit because you have to be proactive in creating more leads, creating more conversations, finding your people uh, as opposed to just sitting around waiting for your business to grow, taking back control and really going out there and doing the work. I think a lot of times people think entrepreneurship is just overnight success and it's a lot of talking, knowing your people and getting really good at the basics, which mm-hmm. is our sales conversations. Yeah. 
And that would be like the number one mistake that a lot of people make in in starting off their businesses, right? Which would be like in this particular field, it's posting and praying. Like you post and then you wait for something to happen. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to. No, no, I was just going to say like, I am, I'm also guilty of doing that. I have, uh, I like to call it my Instagram graveyard. I have so many Instagram accounts that from other businesses that I had tried to launch and I did a lot of posting and praying and nothing. I made, I made some money. I made a couple thousand dollars here and there, but nothing at the level of what this business has done. Um, at like, I think it's, we're at half a million in sales right now, but it was like, I was waiting for people to come to me with the business I have right now. And with the clientele, it's very empowered with going after the leads yourself. So I do say it's, it's one of the biggest mistakes, but give yourself compassion because I was also there. I didn't know any better until I hired a mentor to teach me a lot of these things. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the mistakes that you see people making there? (laughs) Uh, I would say specifically, I, I think with a lot of entrepreneurs, and again, I'll speak about my own story. Yeah. I would say like lack of um, lack of boundaries, I think is really huge when you're starting your business. I remember I was working like, I don't think I had a life my first year in business. I was working weekends. I was working nights. I was so focused on getting my client results that I gave up a lot of my life to help my clients. And I was young. I started my business, um, the business I have now in, in my 20s. And I didn't, no one teaches you these things. No one tells you, oh, you should take Saturday and Sunday off just so you can recuperate. And a lot of entrepreneurs are like, I'm going to work seven days a week just to make more money. Yeah, that can happen. But then are you going to last five years in your business? Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of burnout with CPAs during the tax season. Yeah. Where they're seven days a week. And I know because I was there, a lot of my family members, they deal with, you know, the deadlines, the banking regulations. I've seen them burn out as well. It's not fun. Um, And I would say that's a big mistake I see is not knowing when to stop and when to start, right? Because I think a lot of people think time equal, how much time you put in equals how much money you get out. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's all about balance. I know that's a little. So that would be a misconception. No, no, no. It, it's great. So time amount of time put in equal what you get out would be a misconception. So what do you say should be done instead? I would say refine. Right. right. I, I'll give a more recent example. I wrote, I think, a hundred emails, uh, like a year ago. I wrote a hundred emails, and I was just pumping out email after email to educate my audience, give them value. And then I went to my mentor and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, that's a hundred emails in what, in what period, what time period? I, I think I, I think I wrote them in 30 days. I wrote them in 30 days because I wanted to send out an email every day to my audience. So I had wow. months of emails and I went to my mentor and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm putting in work. I'm putting in the work. I'm educating my audience. I think a lot of people can relate to this with like posting every day. Yeah. Putting in the work. Um, and she's like, no, are these things? Are these high quality? Is this high quality work? So it's it's not about how much work that you're necessarily putting in. It's like, is the quality of work high, right? Are you mm-hmm. calm when you're doing it? Or are you a zombie after sleeping like five hours? And like, you know, and this is all from personal experience. I'm sure a lot of people have dealt with this. And I I will say I'm, I've done all this too. 
Um, yeah, I, I want to hear more about that personal experience side of things. Because looking at you, like if somebody just came on your Instagram profile or came into one of your programs, they're going to like, I don't think she's struggling with anything in this in this mm-hmm. whole entrepreneurship space thing. So, but being able to share your own, what you struggled with, of course, is what you're helping people through right now. Because being a coach, being a mentor yourself right now, the reason you're able to help a lot of women find a, women women experts is because you've been through it. You've done it. Yeah. And so uh, tell me, tell me the things that you struggled with in that and, and how you overcame them. You know, I'm so glad that you said that because I, I want, I think more people should know how hard entrepreneurship can be. Not in the way that, you know, it, it doesn't let you um, be ambitious and do what you want to do, but kind of warning signals. I have, yeah. I have gone through a lot and I'm really proud to get, be where I am, but I know there's a lot of work ahead of me. Uh, and in terms of my struggles, I think one of the biggest things was balancing my relationships with family, with friends, with my business. I remember I would leave like dinner parties at 7 p.m. I would I remember I left a dinner party at like 8 p.m. because I had a client meeting at like 9 p.m. Think about it, right? <laughs> and all my friends were like, where are you going? It was like a Friday night too. When I was like, they're like, where are you going? And I'm like, don't worry. I just, I'll be back after an hour. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> no, I did come back. I did come back to that dinner party. And I, I, and like, you know, one of my friends pulled me aside and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm making money. Like I'm an entrepreneur. But looking back at that, I was like, that's not something to be proud of. Right. It just meant I didn't have the boundaries or the level of separation between my business and I. And, uh, I, I would say I had to, it took like a solid year before I really implemented, okay, I can't be working past nine or I can't be taking meetings past like six or 5 PM mm-hmm. or taking Friday meetings just doesn't work for my life anymore. Um, and I think those are some struggles that a lot of entrepreneurs will face. Actually, that's kind of how I see newer entrepreneurs and older entrepreneurs. If you're taking meetings on like Saturday, Sunday, I'm like, how experienced are you? If you don't mm-hmm. have like that, like balance in your life, mm-hmm. um, that was one of the biggest struggles. And I definitely paid for that a lot in my personal life um, with like family and friends, not being able to see them, not being able to cultivate those relationships and just thinking my business was my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, although at the same time, I, I think there's no black and white to this. Mm-hmm. I think there's like also operating in that gray area. Cause sometimes you would hear, hear like the, big entrepreneurs out there. So for example, Alex Homozi, one of the people, I'm sure you've, you've yeah. heard some of his stuff. It's like, there's no shoots. Like nobody should tell you that you should X, Y, Z. You shouldn't work on a Saturday. You shouldn't work on a Sunday. If you want to work forever, yeah. work. So mm-hmm. I think it comes down to like, knowing that like, this is my version of what I want to do and being okay with that and not like, I think it becomes an intentional act. Like, okay, if somebody tells you don't work on Sundays because if you work on Sundays, it means X, Y, Z, but deep down, you know that you enjoy what you do. And there is really no, in a way, no separation between your life and your business because you love it. Then don't put yourself in the bucket of like, no, I shouldn't because X, Y, Z. I agree. I agree with you. I think um, it didn't work for me, but if you love working on Saturdays and Sundays and you don't work Monday to Friday, then yeah, work on Saturdays and Sundays. You know, like, let's completely flip it around, right? You can work however many days, but, like, are you still eating three, yeah. two, two or three meals a day? Are you drinking water? Are you going, are you, like, you know, like, going, have you seen the sunlight? Like, Do you, you, know? do you enjoy it? Period. Yeah, do you, do you enjoy you, it? Yeah. And I, 
I think when you enjoy it so much, uh, like I did my first year in business, I was so tunnel vision. I was like not paying attention to, you know, how to be a human, not like, you know, eating on time or getting exercise in those things were missing. And yeah, I'm pretty sure Alex has about balanced all of it by now with yeah exactly if you could go back though would you would you not do what you did knowing that it created who you are today no I would keep everything the same I recently got asked this question and I was like even though I it hurt I cried a lot of tears (laughs) um I would keep everything the same I am really really glad of how things turned out and I know there will probably be more tears in the (laughs) I'm not gonna paint it like rainbows but I am really proud of the progress that we've made because the work is so fulfilling. Like three years ago, if you looked and typed in like money coaches, you would get Dave Ramsey's. You would get like, you know, a lot of um, men in the industry. But now if you type in money coach, it's like budget Nista, a lot of women of color that are at the top of the industry. And I know the work that we're doing is helping change the face of what that looks like. Yeah, that is very true. And there's still a lot of work that still needs to be done there because, like, there's still a lot of work that still needs to be done there. So I think what you're doing is really, is really, really necessary. And and fair warning, like, you, you, like, you're not saying entrepreneurship is easy. You're saying, yes, it is difficult. And these are the things that you might have to go through. But be aware of it and go through it anyway if it's something you want. Because, like, I asked, if you go back and would you want to change it? Like, no, I wouldn't. But it was... It was kind of hell going through it, right? Yeah, of course. But I think you have to be a little crazy to be an entrepreneur um, because I was thinking about it and I had a very cushy like job. Uh, it paid extremely well. I could have worked at that job the rest of my life. A lot of, in fact, my parents, um, I think I see this a lot with children of immigrants or even people who immigrated recently. My parents were like, just work at your nine to five forever. Mm-hmm. Like, don't change anything. Just have this business on the side and work your nine to five forever. And I was like, what? And, and I'm like, how am I gonna how am I gonna grow this business to like a million dollars? How am I gonna help like 300 women if I still have a nine to five? And they were like, just figure it out. And I was like, I was like, something was not clicking. Yeah. So I think like you really, you're right, you do need to have a passion and your why. When you're in the trenches and you feel like you can't go on anymore, you need a really good support system and you need a really good why. Something that helps you keep going in like the dark nights where you're like, what is going to happen next um, to bring you back to the light? Do your parents get it now though? I honestly, I think the biggest thing I've done for myself is like released um, their thoughts. Of course I care, their family. I'm always going to respect their opinion, but I've created distance with, Um, their opinions and what I'm doing but they respect it I think I have always been open with them about how much I was making what I was doing who I was helping and I remember we fought a lot about me leaving my my nine to five but at one point I think after a year I left and they were like oh good about time after like (laughs) after like 12 months of going back and forth on it uh, but I realized it was ultimately my decision. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That is so beautiful because, again, Alex, his book is right there. He's one of the people <laughs> I really listen to. <laughs> he he said, yeah, he said, you got to be willing to let other people's opinions of you die for your own opinion of you to like for your to become who you want to be. Like if you're living your life based on what people say you should do or what people think you should do, then 
are you really living a life? Like, are you really doing what 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 you want? I think it's hard, especially yeah. you know, um, as if you're if you, like because I I'm a child of immigrants. You respect your family members yes. so much, and it's so deeply culturally ingrained. Yeah, and oh, I have listened to Alex, and I've heard him say these things, and I'm sure he's had his own battles with his parents too yeah. about. Um, but sometimes you just have to give it time. Like it's easy to say that, but like the work to put in to step away from people's opinions. Yeah. Everyone talks about all that work that you have yeah. to. Um, it's not as easy as just like, okay, they can say what they say. There's a lot of healing <laughs> that needs to go on. Truth is, if it weren't easy, everybody would do it. Mm, and if it weren't easy, people wouldn't need a coach like you. Mm. So it's not. <laughs> it's not easy, right? Yeah. And like I said, uh, I do, there's that two part of the customer journey where they're curious and then they can't take any more of like trying to figure it out on their own. Yeah. And I think what you're saying resonates with that second part of like, they need to see, you know, these lessons for themselves before they go and ask for help. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. exactly. So it's a hard one lesson, but it's, it's ultimately going to help you grow. Yeah. 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 Great. <laughs> So, uh, so speaking about business, I see that you have an upcoming webinar, which is a three automated sales system. Yes. So talk yeah. about that. Like, what's it about? And yeah, take it yeah. away. Yeah. So we have our free training for sales and leads on February 19th at 6 p.m. EST. It's completely free. We're doing free live coaching. And if you're struggling with your business for sales or leads, come get coached live. We only do these like once a quarter so. I, I have my calendar. We're probably not doing it again until the summer. Um, and even if even if you can only come for 20 minutes, a lot of my audience who has come to the masterclass ends up making sales just from this information that we talk about. So if you're, I would say if you haven't made a sale in the last like 15 days, you should be coming to this webinar or learning something um, to really generate more leads and get more people in your business. Yeah. Okay. And then I, I want some nuggets from you. So, yeah. um, I'm a woman of color. I'm an accountant. Yes. What can you teach me? I would say, what are you struggling with? Like, have you made a sale in 15 days? Let's start yeah. there. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. So like, I would say for you, like, what are you struggling with the most? What am I struggling with the most? Oh, wow. Either you call this on yourself on your own podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What, what am I struggling with the most? Uh, right now, it's... Um, so in the DMs, when you and I were talking, I think at the end of last year, I told you what I'm focusing on at the time and up until now was like building my team. Mm. And so it's more... It's partly the team building and partly the creating all those... Everything has always been in my head, and SOP. so getting it, from, yeah, creating those SOPs, and I'm, I'm like, I've, I've been pushing all of those out, and it's because I'm doing all of those that, that I'm able to then actually do more podcasting, do more of the other thing, which is part of like doing the outreach, growing the business, and all of that. So, um, I wouldn't say I'm struggling with that, but that's what I'm focusing on right now, which is like making my team to grow even bigger right now. There's four, mm -hmm. we're four on the team right now, so yeah. it's more about like. Um, getting everybody to know what's in here so they can they can all do it as well and uh yeah it's it's SOPs and team building that's where I'm at when's the last time you've taken like a vacation 
from your business. Like no laptop, no cell phone, no team communication, no looking at your emails. July of last year, summer. Oh, I was away for two, two weeks, completely away. <laughs> yeah, I, I smile because I know tax season is approaching. And I'm yeah. Sure, yeah, I'm going to say this and I wonder if, how you'll take it. But I'm curious if you could ever imagine taking a vacation during tax season. Oh, Lord. I don't think so. Well, eventually, yeah. But right now, at this stage in time, no, I can't. Mm, I say I start off that question because it just it, it kind of tells you, like, if your team can really take over your processes. If you're like, I'm gone out on, on in March. I'm not going to be here for like three weeks. Would your business still survive? And I think it might more than you think because you're... And that's why I asked a lot of these questions. I'm curious, why not let your team build out your SOPs? I know oh, it's yeah, all yeah. so yeah. so yeah, that's actually what that's actually kind of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I use very much is is video trainings, right? So I do like a Vimeo if there's something that I'm I'm talking through, I would just record myself doing it or record myself giving instructions on it and then I'll send it to my assistant, like, okay, put put that in the SOPs. So she would then have to create Oh, when this is happening, like she needs to watch the video, understand what I'm instructing her to do, and then put it as part of the SOPs so that somebody else can look at that. So it's a, uh, it's that's the stage in which at which I am, and but it took me a while to re- to realize that I need to get those things out of here and onto into something that into another team. person can 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 do. And it used to just be pieces of paper. It's like okay, I'm gonna get to it until I realized that either you're really good at doing videos, like you like doing those things, so just incorporate videos into your training so just i just open the vimeo and i start recording and and that's it and then i send it off to them so it's 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 in the process of being done yeah i I guess it sounds like you have a system and um i know i talked about income levels like um cpas bookkeepers uh money coaches that are below six figures are focusing on just sales and leads but you're making sales you have you know your leads it sounds like you're more focusing on like hiring automation systems yeah. Right. So for you, if you're mainly, it doesn't seem like there's a problem. It just seems like you want things to go faster. Am I getting that right? Like what- <laughs> <laughs> you, you're very right there. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you're solving all your problems. So like, what do you really need help with? Yeah. What Maybe take a vacation. Maybe that will make you more. Mo- I actually, I know. I will say it will make you more money if you can take a vacation before the next, um, before Q two. Uh, cause yeah, I would say all CPAs should take a vacation during tax season. I actually teach it in my program. <laughs> you, you're going to have to, my goodness, that's a whole battle you're going to have to pick up there. Like a, a CPA is receptive to that. I, I think they like the idea of. They have the same reaction you do. Like yeah. maybe in like three years, but not right now, not this season. But I, I always say you're putting off the inevitable, right? You could be solving this problem now. And do you want to be working like this? Like, do you want to, and you have four team members, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of CPAs are up until 2, 3, 4 a.m. trying to finish everything if they don't have any contractors. I'm, I don't, I'm sure you've tasted a little bit of that. No, I have. Okay. Let me tell you. So up until a few years ago, up until like uh, 2022, I had a nine to five. So I, I was working at a CPA firm and I left because of this. I yes. left because like when it's tax season, you you have to work on Saturdays. It's it's part of the regular schedule. And for me, it wasn't working because I'm a mom. 
Mm-hmm. I don't have a place to keep my kids on Saturday. There's no daycare. There's no, there's no none of that. And that's something that not only like most parents would face that, but especially parents of, especially immigrants mm-hmm. who do not necessarily have extended family here where you can maybe keep your kids on the weekend in order to go and do the thing at the nine to five. So that is not a business business problem, but it is a life problem, which you got to have to find a way to relate to that and find a solution to that, to be able to, to do life. Right. So for me, there was, when the talk of balance, that's a balance I had to create for myself. Yeah. And, and so I, I distanced myself from a nine to five because I wanted to create that kind of flexibility for me. So I can't have left that place. And then I come and I'm in my own thing and I'm doing the same things like, no, no, I literally mm-hmm. wrote it down a few, like I said, I felt like I left the nine to five to be in another nine to five and I'm not doing that. And so it's with that in mind, it's like, team is the thing that has to happen right now. So when you message me back, that's like, what are you focusing on? It's like, team, that's what I'm doing right now. And so, yeah. Yeah. I would say like, uh, it seems like you already have a process in place. And if you want it to go faster, can you add automation into the mix? Right. And it doesn't have to be anything fancy, but can you just you know, if you have four people, can they automate for you? Can they like do the work for you? You have so many people. Are they creating an ROI? Yeah. And I'm sure we could talk more about this, mm-hmm. but there's so, so many ways that you can grow without losing your sanity. Like you yeah. can more in the CEO position while your contractors or your employees or whatever are really taking charge of all of that work, like that manual labor of like, you know, yeah, what tax season entails. Yeah, yeah. And and of course I like this there's always room for more automation. There's always room for for improvement. So there's probably a thing or two I could definitely still learn from it because it's I might be doing I might be doing all of these systems and you have these other systems that I haven't thought about that together with what I have, then it becomes like, oh oh my god, like this is magic. So you know, I actually had um, another client who was also a CPA and she is scaling to a million dollars per quarter. And if when we just worked on team, that's when she was really able to shoot for the stars. I met I met with her before she hit a million dollars a year. And now she's focusing on a million dollars as a quarter. And it was a lot of team systems automations, exactly what you and I are talking about to help her even get to where she's at right now. And she's mm-hmm. transitioning out of just like being in her business to now take her birthday is during tax season it's literally during tax season so she's always taking vacations during tax season because she's not going to skip her birthday so uh, just a taste of what's possible it's, it's oh different. yeah you know what my birthday is during tax season too so i, I <laughs> what? yeah more reason to more reason, more reason to, to make it happen yeah yeah more reason to make it happen oh wow this has been fun like okay roma if you were me what question would you ask yourself that I haven't asked you? Hmm. I mean, uh, are, that's, that's such a good question I'm throwing. Um, I would say for you, for you, I had to ask me, Roma. Um, I, I mean, I would ask like, what's been something surprising that, that uh, a lot of people people miss in team systems and automation since we're talking about it is that a good question yes it is and i just asked that so can you please answer that question for me (laughs) i would say honestly like not not um not hiring a mentor or not like not 
not releasing control soon enough. I think the biggest issue is waiting five years or waiting like um, until you're burnt out to actually hand it off, hand off a lot of the things that you've been waiting on. Um, and I can even speak about myself. I did, I tried it. My, I tried to DIY a lot of the team systems and automation work for a very long time. And it caused me a lot of mental health, personal issues. Um, and I could have saved myself a lot of heartache if I just had swallowed my pride and asked for some help. That's, I think that's the biggest roadblock for a lot of, um, financial experts. They don't want to ask for help because they're not at that burnout period yet. And I'm like, why do you need to burn out before you ask for help? What is the thing that is holding them back? Because the burnout becomes a breaking point. It's what causes them to then go over and ask for help. Yeah. But what is it that is actually holding them back from not wanting to ask for help? Do you know? I think it's honestly like the fear of if this is going to work out. Because um, I think what I see a lot in the financial industry is accountants will hire influencers or social media managers, they've made investments in the past that don't work out for them or weren't really created for their industry, right? So they'll hire a business coach that has worked with e-commerce businesses, but doesn't understand how a tax season is, right? So you're having to explain like, okay, these are the deadlines. I can't talk to you during this week. I can't have a coaching call with you during this week because I'm losing my mind, right? You're like trying to explain lingo to them that they don't understand as opposed mm -hmm. to seeking out guidance, even from another CPA or someone in your industry that just speaks the same language as you do. Yeah. I okay. think it's the fear of investment, but I, I, there's a lot of reasons and to each their own, like people have to go on their own journey. Yeah. I think that's something that, cause you, you do have a lot of clients and, and, and you bring a lot of them as well on your podcast. Right. So mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's an interesting thing that will be good to be able to understand, like what caused you to actually finally do it like besides the burnout like the burnout is the thing that pushed you to to come over and ask but like what is it that was holding you back up until now and yeah I'm just I'm putting myself in interview mode and trying to figure out <laughs> for for the experts and the, the 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 coaches out there who might still be stuck in their shell and like they know like they know they need help like I have a mentor and, mm. and it, it, I don't pay cheap for mentorship. Yeah. Yeah. Of but, course. but because I've been able to put in that investment in myself, I'm able to learn from that mentor. Like he squeezes all the information that is learned in all those years and compresses it and gives it back to me. That's, that's the value of mentorship. Yeah. And, but I had to trust that they know what they are doing and they like, if they say, go do this, I don't question it. I just go do it. Mm. And just by following that, it's like, it sped things up for me so much. Yeah. And there are lots of people who like me or who like you are sitting out there and they know the next thing they need to do is get a mentor, but they're not doing it because something is holding them back. Yeah. I would also say like, the more, more I've invested in my business, the more I, I would say invest with intention, right? Don't just yeah. $10,000 because you feel like spending $10,000, right? Or you yeah. think it's going to magically solve your issues. But like the more I invest in my business with intention, I think Alex Hermosi, since you brought him up, um, you, you might appreciate this. He talks about the S and me 500, right? Yes. Like investing in yourself, right? Yeah. The more you intentionally invest in your own education, your own mentorship, your own growth, the faster you'll go. Uh, 
And I think a lot of times it's like juggling the responsibility of like, okay, you're handling your business and now you have to handle your growth too. It feels like a large, large weight for a lot of people to carry. They don't Mm -hmm. even see how they can handle mentorship with the current lifestyle that they have. People would know that getting team is going to help them to go faster. Getting team is going to free you up to be able to do the other things that you have to do. Like, I think it's you who said it that you're the CEO of your business. You need to be working on the business and not necessarily in the business. Yes, exactly. And, and for you to work on the business, well, the business still needs to go. So people need to be working in it. Mm-hmm. So for you to work on it, you need to bring those people to work in it. But how do you get the people to work in it when you haven't brought the people to work in it? And like, it, it's kind of like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? And And at some point you just need to, Forget chicken or egg and just just do it. At some point, you have to just do it. Just take action. And I think a lot of people don't hire because they're not making enough money. They're like, how am I going to pay a contractor when I'm not even paying myself a salary? And I'm like, okay, then you need to learn sales instead of trying to hire a VA. Right. Fix your sales problem before trying to hire more team. Right. Because hiring someone is not going to magically create more sales for you. It might be nice, some like... To work with someone, not be alone in your business, but it's not their responsibility to make more sales. So have you found some creative ways of solving that problem for people who come like, okay, that's my problem right now. And I I, I need to make sales, but I can't make sales. Of course, that's your expertise. People need to make sales. They can't make sales. What's the first thing you tell them? I would say, do they have a team? Um, if they have a team, like does every team member have a responsibility, a project that will create more revenue in your business? If they have a team, right? If they don't have a team, are you closing all your sales calls? Are you generating more sales calls? Are you doing busy work? I have a lot more questions, right? Because I need to know more. But I would say like, um, really look at your time. Are you like creating Instagram posts because you think it's nice and you get a couple likes, but has it led to sales? Uh, Or are you actually doing the work that's leading to more sales, like having sales conversations? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, And all of that you cover in your webinars, right? Yes, we're covering all of that in our webinar, in our training on February 19th. If if you, I would rearrange your schedule for anyone's listening to this because we're only doing it once a quarter. The next one is probably going to be in the summertime after tax season. So uh, definitely try to come. But of course, if you register, we'll send you guys the replay. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. Beautiful nuggets right there. So if there's anybody who's listening who, lo- who absolutely loves you and wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to connect with you? Yeah. So it's the same thing on everything. The Rosha. So T-H-E-R-O-S-H-A-H on um, Instagram. Like you said, we're the most active on there. Shoot me a DM. Let's have a conversation. Uh, or you can find us on YouTube and um, our website, which is also therosha.com. Ah. That's great. That's great. And all the links to this, all the links to everything we talked about are going to be in the show notes. If you've listened so far and you think this is for you, absolutely. Please check the show notes and reach out to Ro. She's very friendly, as you can tell. And she knows what she's talking about because she's been in it. So if you're a woman of color, finance expert, this is your time. Like, get out there, do something and reach out and get some help. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Thank you for spending the time with us. For more insightful conversations with entrepreneurs, check out this video right here. I think you'll love it. Continue to enjoy and I'll see you there.